Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. Oh yeah. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and welcome back. We are on episode 84, and today it's a little solo cast I have going on, and uh, this is one that I've kind of wanted to do for a while because I feel like this conversation has been coming up a lot more um, the last five years or so, and that's a very arbitrary number. I just kind of threw five years on there, (laughs) but it's talking about training and powerlifting over the age of 40, and I'm going to use the age 40 because I'm 40 and there's a lot of things that I have considered the last, probably last end of the 30s, um, now going into my 40s um, that I didn't consider in my late 20s or my early 30s. And these are things that now I've incorporated for my, you know, my athletes, myself. And um, it's something that I would recommend for anybody getting older as well. And none of us are getting younger, right? So (laughs) these are some things that I want you to really keep in mind if you're making your own program or even, you know, if you are following a program, things to consider um, as you as you keep training. And and sometimes we don't necessarily need to stick to the plan if there are other ways that we can do things that make our body feel better, that we recover better from. So just things to keep in mind as you progress in whatever program you're doing. So to start off, I did want to say thank you to everybody that's putting out a uh, review. Um, You know, like I said, I always say that it helps to grow the show. How it grows the show? Not really sure. I think it just becomes more popular. But when we talk about like, you know, algorithms and all that kind of stuff, I don't really get into that. Um, That is just not why I have the show. So um, it's really for all of you. I mean, I think the most important thing is that I can provide some content for you, some things that will help you become a better lifter or that people get to come on the show that are freaking inspirational shit. I feel so inspired every time I hear somebody and I feel like y'all feel inspired too. So, um, really that's what this show is about. But when you do leave a review, not only does it make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, it also does help grow the show. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to Paula, uh, and she messaged me. She was like, I don't even know how to do a review. And I, you know, listen, if you are on, on your Apple phone, you have to scroll all the way to the bottom and there's a review section there. And that's how you leave a review. I, they don't make it very easy. So if you do do that, thank you. And I wanted to thank Paula who left a review. She wrote three white lights. This podcast is so valuable. Heidi provides exceptional examples for lifters at all levels. Her guests have interesting stories and share great advice. It's entertaining, informative, packed full of ideas to take to training and the platform. She's a strong leader in the sport and so passionate about helping others. Oh my gosh, my first time reading this. Thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. Paula, you are so sweet. Um, And I will say I'm very much humbled by a lot of times when you guys write things about me. Um, I feel like I'm just a vehicle to be here for y'all. And it makes me feel great knowing that I could provide something for you. Um, And of course, you know, this episode is brought to you by my gym, Core Strength and Performance, where we live through strength. And listen, I have been loving that I have a few more people that I've been training online who I, you know, listen to the show and I love it. Um, 
because I feel like I'm already connected to y'all. So if you are thinking uh, you need a little bit more focus on your training, you need some more guidance, you need help stepping on the platform, you need to know how to pick your numbers, where that training should look like, visit core256.com. You can find out more about online training with me. Or if you just want to just message me, find me on Instagram. You can also send me a message, Heidi at the future is female powerlifting.com. And we can talk a little bit about how that looks like for you, because it's a little different for everybody. Everybody's starting off in a different spot. What kind of meets they have available in their area is different. Um, Your training age. These things are all very important when really thinking about like what's going to be the next step for you and then how that's going to look like for the next couple of years. So if you are interested and you want to train with me, Visit core256.com and find out more. All right. So the number one thing, I'm going to list five things here today that I think are going to be most important when you're thinking about training, especially powerlifting, right? Because when we're powerlifting, we're going to be working in ranges um, that are really fucking heavy. (laughs) Okay. So they're heavy, not meant to be... um, hypertrophy all the time, which is working in a higher rep range, meaning that the intensity is a little bit lower. Intensity means how much weight you have on the bar, right? So we're lowering the intensity when we're doing more of a hypertrophy for the most part. Of course, we're going to have some some variety in that. But in training and powerlifting, as we um, try to express our absolute strength on the platform, that shit can take a toll on your body. And there are some uh, things to consider when you are um, training for powerlifting. So number one, I think that this is probably going to be six things because this is one that I, you know, I think that we need to all think about. If you are starting powerlifting or strength training later on in life, so let's say that you're starting your your powerlifting, you're really getting into this in your late 30s. Um late 40s, your training age is a lot less than somebody who has, for example, my coach, Julia, who has been a strength coach and has been training powerlifting since she was 20. So her training age is 21 years. You know, she's been doing this for 20 years. So that's a lot of wear and tear that you can accumulate over 20 years versus somebody who comes in at just 40 years old, you know, 50, even 50 years old. Um, So the difference is that your training age probably will have a little bit more accumulation on your body, right? So you're going to have more reps and more sets and things that you've done that just takes a toll. So that kind of helps you direct how much you'll be able to do and how much you'll be able to recover from. Because in the end, you're only as good as what you can recover from. Um, So part of this leads into that. So I want you to consider this as you get into this. And I would probably argue that many people who are listening who are a master's lifter probably got into powerlifting later on in life, which means you're training and you might have done something before. Like, for example, Linda, Linda Franklin, um, even Ellen, you know, Ellen Stein's in her late 60s. Linda's in her mid 60s. Um, Linda got into training when she was in her 50s. So she was doing, uh, you know, soccer and she'd always been active. And I use quote unquote here. And if you are listening, uh, I will have this on the YouTube and you get to see my face with like the blinds right now. Um, But Linda got into it a little bit later. So her training age isn't the same in the sense that um, she had been, you know, pumping weights for a long time. Now, um, why that makes a difference is that 
somebody who has an older training age probably is going to have to do more to feel better. They'll also probably need more stimulus, meaning that a little bit is not going to be enough after a while. And there's going to be some, you know, there's a lot of it depends in this in this conversation right now. But that's something to keep in mind as we get into what you might want to consider training over 40. Number one, your warm up. When I was 20, damn it, I didn't have to do shit. <laughs> I could have just done some jumping jacks and I could have done maybe some toe touches and some arbitrary warm up that I decided was a good idea at the time, which was probably never good. Uh, I mean, I was taking, you know, so many different like uh, ephedra things to lose weight. You know, that, that time was a whole blur uh, when it came to fitness. But I didn't have to worry about my warm up so much, nor did I even consider it. I will say that it was a little stupid with that in that respect. But as we get older, sometimes the body just needs a little bit more grooving, right? We're going to have to kind of groove uh, the joints a little bit more, meaning that you might need a little bit of a more robust warm up. How should that warm up look like? I personally do not recommend getting on a treadmill or a stair climber or something to that nature for like 10 minutes and then getting right into your training. There is a place for elevating your heart rate, getting the heart rate going, pumping a little bit. Um, I do think that that is important in a warm-up because that sort of prepares the body. However, just doing that and then moving on to powerlifting is not necessarily going to optimize your training as much as you want, right? So we, you want to have something that's slightly more specific. And so for us, we have a warm-up that kind of moves the body back and forth through different planes, right? So it'll be um, something that's going to warm you up. There are like some little jumping jacks here. We also do things where we're doing toe touches. We're moving the hips open and closed. We're doing some lunges. Um, and it's probably an eight-minute warm-up. I also incorporate um, RPR, which I, I have a podcast with JL, um, an episode with JL, and we talk about what RPR is. Um and that's reflexive performance resets. And I like RPR because it's sort of a nervous system wake up. And if I were to like put this in perspective, what's the easiest, what's my elevator pitch for RPR? RPR really is sort of just preparing the body in the nervous system just to work a little better for what you're doing. Um, and it's the, almost the same response I get when I get like a deep tissue massage or the, you know, that feeling where you're kind of like, Ooh, Ooh, it's like up there. Um, that's part of the warm up. So we do that before even getting into the movement portions. And then the warm up will include warm up sets. So, for example, if we're um, squatting and let's say that we are working up to 200 pounds, right? And I tell them, okay, we want two to three warm up sets to get in there. Well, what do you do? I actually send in uh, a newsletter about this. So if you want to get on our newsletter, um, go, you know, send me a, send me a little thing. I, I have, I'll put, leave it in the, in the comment section and in the, um, and then the comment, yeah, the comment section of this episode, but, um, a great way of kind of just simplifying how to get to your working sets is take that number 200 and divide it by three. Boom, you have even working sets to get there. And then use a number that kind of makes sense to you. If it's like, you know, like 85 or 90, go to 
75. You know what I mean? So think of those uh, kind of what's going to be easier for you in the moment. However, don't skip those warm-up sets. Those are all neurologically important for you to get to that warm-up set. Uh, I will say that if you start getting up to a higher amount, sometimes there is a better way to get to uh, warm up the body than just evenly splitting it. There's also ways where you want to sort of just take, let's say that you're doing 200, let's say it's 400. You're doing 400 for three. Uh, sometimes you can just take 395 or 400 for one. And that neurologically sort of prepares the body a little bit more. Lots of people like doing stuff like that. Um, whatever your choice is, a warm-up as we get older is probably going to be very important. That doesn't mean, however, foam rolling for 20 minutes and then doing some sort of warm-up for 15 minutes and now it's fucking 40 minutes later and you haven't even started your training. That is not good. That is not an adequate use of your time. You also want to remember that you need to be efficient with your training time. Um, and sometimes we can get carried away with all the extra stuff. Um, so keep that in mind as you're doing your warm-up. Next, recovery. Recovery is going to be so important. And recovery can look like a number of different ways. Um, of course, me personally, I love sleep. If your sleep is not very good, you're going to have some problems really recovering. Um, so prioritizing your sleep, your nutrition, how many calories you're eating, like these are all things that are actually very important for how well you recover. If you're in a calorie deficit and you're trying to lose weight while training for powerlifting, just know that being in a calorie deficit will affect your recovery. So keep these things in mind when we're trying to balance out really training um, and then having a mixed result of like wanting to lose weight. Uh, that is important. If that's important for you, I get it. And that's not always easy as it sounds uh, to do both. Sometimes it can happen a lot easier when you're a lot bigger and you have a lot more to lose. Uh, but one of the, the biggest things that people forget is that when we are in a calorie deficit, it will affect your recovery more than likely. Um, so prioritizing your recovery with, you know, not only sleep and nutrition, keeping up with your calories, um, having at least a maintenance of your calories is going to be super important, but also having massages and things like this that are, uh, they're not necessary, but I tell you right now, Almost all my clients, and if Quayla is listening right now, this girl loves massages and she's like, if I don't get a massage, I don't feel as good. And you know, for her, that is a total recovery. I mean, it would be for me too. My husband, no, he would not want any kind of massage. That would not be something recovery for him. I, some of my, some of my members, they do better with like an active recovery, right? So they like to take the dog on a walk. They like to actually do real, uh, GPP active recovery things. And these GPP is general prepared fitness, but things like I'm going to walk backwards with a sled and I'm just going to do a sled walk. And the reason why that can be a, a recovery is because there's not a lot of eccentric motion to, um, like a sled drag. And you can find out more information about sled drags and GPP and things like this from, from Louis Simmons. A lot of of his writing sort of um, projected this whole idea of actually lifting while <laughs> while recovery. I, I would say he more popularized it when in the powerlifting community, but that is just another way that we can prioritize recovery. Um, but as we get older, that's going to be more important because you will have probably a harder time recovering as we age. 
Number three, modifications. So not all exercises you'll be able to do. If you are powerlifting, you're going to have to be specific with the movements that are going to be used in powerlifting. That meaning that at some point, especially if you don't have years of learning how to squat with a barbell, at some point you're going to have to use a barbell for your squat, bench, and deadlift. If you had a lot of years in training age or sufficient amount of time underneath a barbell, then you may not have to use the barbell as often. Why? Because you sort of develop the pattern, you know how to barbell squat, and the time you'll need under that barbell might not be as long as somebody who needs to still groove that pattern. They still need to learn that behavior, you know, powerlifting or any kind of exercise. For the most part, it's a learned skill. So if your skill is not, you know, high yet, if you haven't developed what we call skill acquisition, um, there's high skill acquisition when it comes to to squat, bench, and deadlift. Not as much as like Olympic lifting and things like this, but if I were to have you goblet squat for all of your training and then for two weeks just gave you a barbell, you'd be fucked on the platform. So <laughs> that's not a good idea. But what I try to reinforce to people is like, you don't necessarily have to do a barbell squat the whole training program. And a good example is this is is a lot of the conjugate method. They actually recommend, you know, not doing the straight bar work as specific, right? These are spe- spe- the most specific you can get is the barbell back squat. If what they recommend is that you have some variability with that, right? So maybe it's a cambered bar, a safety squat bar, maybe it's a box squat, maybe it's a safety bars box squat like like Dave Tate does, you know? Um and the reason why they do that is is to have some variability in the training uh, so that the body doesn't get so bent out of shape at times from using a straight bar. Now, there is a downside to that. I personally work with a lot of people who just started and they need that. So they need the barbell. Even if you're 50 or 60, they need to learn how to use a barbell at some point more than somebody who's not been training their whole life. So... Part of it is like, you know, our, when I program our gym people, you know, people that are athletes, when we have them do their work, we try to build a base strength. So that might include goblet squats, zercher squats, barbell zercher squats. There's going to be a variety of different things that we choose before we get to the barbell. And the biggest reason is that the barbell really keeps you in one position, right? So it's going to stick you in this position and it might be very uncomfortable, I cannot be in a barbell for a very long time because my shoulder just starts to ache. It's awful. So in my off season, I have safety bar squats. I have any kind of barbell. Like pretty much she's like, hey, you choose what you want. You know, I I, I personally, she trusts me to choose what I think is going to be best for me. Um, but the reason why you would want to make those modifications is that the longer you can train, the better. And if you don't need to learn the skill as much, you know, right then, if you aren't competing, let's say in the next, you know, six months, by by all means, you can vary the barbell, you can change the exercise, and that's going to be good for you. Um, as you get closer to competing, yes, you're going to want to be much more specific. Specificity is one of the things you need to have uh, to progress in powerlifting. You can't expect to have a safety bar squat and you just started, and then you try to transfer that over, the, the, it would just be a hot mess. You'd be, your fucking form would be all over the place and be like, well, what did you expect, right? <laughs> but 
Um, modifying your exercises is going to be very important. So leave that open for yourself to say like, ow, you know what? My knees really hurt when I am squatting this way, but they don't hurt if I do a single leg goblet squat, who knows, whatever the exercise may be. Just remember that modification is going to be your best friend. Next one is your split. So how your program is designed for you. And I think that this one is a very important one that we sometimes overlook. Um, As you get older, sometimes your body needs more time to recover in between days. Now, this is going to be very dependent on everybody. I think everything I say here is going to be dependent on you individually. So you're going to have to be very aware of how well you feel the day after your training, two days after your training, maybe even three days after your training, because that will dictate like what's going to be the best move for you to program. For example, when we had Jen Thompson on here, Jen and I were talking about her benching. What does her training program look like, right? She does a 10-day split. So what does a 10-day split look like? Traditionally, we have a seven-day split, right? We do squat bench and deadlift in seven days. That's a seven-day split. I, with fist set, will will program a nine-day split. So how that looks is bench, squat, bench, deadlift on the next week, and then it goes right back into bench. So what she does, she actually does it, and she spreads that out through 10 days. What that allows her to do is add more rest days in between. The cycle is longer. Yeah, it'll take her longer to finish that that cycle, but she needs a lot more rest because of the load she's doing. Now, even for you, even if your load is not 300 pounds like Jen, um, you may need just a little bit more time in between each training day. And I'll tell you right now, as I've gotten older, that is so true. When I was, you know, when I first started training, I was like, yeah, I could do six days a week. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, you know, and I did it very unaware of how I felt, not really recognizing that maybe this wasn't the best idea, um, that the training was much more than I needed, um, And as I've gotten older, I like feeling okay. I don't like when I'm sore all the fucking time. Like I like to be a little sore, yes, but I don't want to be sore all the time. And sometimes I just need more time in between before I even have enough energy. Like my fatigue is so accumulated sometimes. I'm like, holy crap. And and that's for a number of different reasons that I, you know, the fatigue accumulates as we train. And if I didn't recover well, that fatigue is not dropping down even on my days off, as much as it should. And so those are all things to consider when we are making our program. So that might be something you might want to incorporate, just adding more days, make your split a little bit longer. And the last one I did want to touch base about, which I kind of talked about in modifications, is using different implements or using different bars and different things. Um, One of the hugest uh, things you'll hear as people get older, and I'll use Dave as an example again, is like, you know, he said he'll probably never compete again. Um, He'll probably never fully barbell squat again, right? He safety bar squats to a box and that height changes, you know, on how he feels, but he finds that he can still find uh, a challenge in trying to PR what that safety bar box squat is. Um, but incorporating different implements or different barbells, like a safety bar, uh, safety bar 
a safety squat bar, my goodness, Heidi, incorporating a safety squat bar like that can still give you wonderful training effect, um, but you don't always have to use the same barbell. And I think that if you want to have a body that's able to move well and perform well, we need to be open to using not only different barbells, but different training method methodologies. I like to incorporate um, at our gym, my husband and I, we, we incorporate a lot of rotational things, you know, breathing through these rotational things. And you look at that, it looks almost like, like physical therapy, like what the fuck? But we need One of our tenants in our gym is that people feel good. Yes, they perform well and develop strength, but they need to feel good. And if we disregard in our own training, knowing what we know as strength coaches, disregard all of the things that we feel are going to help people live better, move in a way that feels good so they're not reaching over and throwing their back out trying to grab a piece of paper on the floor, which... I know one of you here is probably happy to, um, if we disregard those things and not incorporate different ways of training using different things, not only straight barbell, but we're using kettlebells, we're using maces, we're using sleds, we're using different things. Um, we would be, our, our members would be missing out, right? They would not be able to develop an all over healthy, strong body in the way that we look at training. And to wrap this all up, just to say that you don't have to always stick to what is on the plan. There are ways that if you are either in pain or you're not feeling good for whatever reason, take a look at that. Be very aware of how your body feels and investigate that and say like on a scale of one to five, five being the worst pain ever and, you know, one being nothing. This is what I use with my nutrition. You know, if you're on a five all the time, maybe we need to look at what that means. Maybe that exercise is too demanding on your body. Uh, maybe it's something you just need to do once a month. I ha- I know somebody who, who only deadlifts once a month because the demand on his body and the fatigue that is accumulated, so we're talking about stimulus to fatigue ratio here, the fatigue that's accumulated is so high for him that it's just, he can't, he can't really function doing other things. So it's like the rest of his training suffers if he is to deadlift more than, you know, four times, you know, four times a month is sometimes what we're doing. And some people are doing it more, right? So they're deadlifting or doing a very variation of deadlifting on their, on their, um, squat day. You know, that's a lot of deadlifting for people who traditionally feel like that's a, a, a lot of stimulus on the body. So just know that through this whole thing that you have choices, and those choices can be working on your recovery, working on your warm up, modifying the exercise, adding different things in there to change your training around to make it feel better, and thinking about should I extend my split? Should my split look different? Should that be like maybe I only do deadlifts once a month? These are things to think about. There's nothing is written in, in stone. And, you know, yes, maybe certain things might get you there faster, but really I'm. One thing I preach is that the longer you can train, and whether that is powerlifting or not, I won't always be powerlifting, like competitive powerlifting. Will I always be strength training? Fuck yes. I will be strength training to like cannot fucking move because the reward on my body, on my mental, on my my mental capacity, how well I function, uh, the 
benefit of all that outweighs everything else. So as long as I'm going to be able to strength train, I will continue doing that. And the only way that I'm going to continue to do that is if I keep all these things in mind. And I'm hoping that, you know, if you're listening here today and you're just trying to get into it um, or you've been doing this for a while and you're like, holy shit, that is me. I do feel like crap every time I deadlift. Well, think about these things <laughs> and have fun training. Stay, you know, stay with it as long as you can. That is the end game. Y'all have a great day. Message me if you need anything. 